All right, friends and family, thank you guys so much for joining Every Day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Ryan Roof. Hey, guys, I have a great, exciting interview today. Finally made it happen. We've uh, definitely gone through some uh, uh, good old issues, you know, with technology, but uh, I can't wait to introduce this guy. He is an Army veteran. Some of you guys may know him as the real veteran guy. He has done two tours in Afghanistan. He served in the Army from 2004 to 2012. He also is a 22-a-day activist, ethos speaker, mindset coach, and influencer, reaching out through social media platforms where he is currently reaching over a half a million people on a daily basis. His purpose continues to help veterans, veteran spouses, and civilians through their mindset, personal development, coaching, and ultimately, to save a million lives, that save a million lives. All right. Without further ado, let's see. I'm worried. What's going on, brother? What is up, man? We finally here. <laughs> finally here. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, taking the time again to yeah. uh, do this, man. I really appreciate it. You are uh, a big inspiration. Uh, I found you on TikTok a couple years ago. Uh, when I first started, you are a huge advocate on there. I know you have a huge following on there, like 330-something thousand followers. Um, what's going on, man? Let's go ahead and get to know the Sean Laurie. Let's hear all about you, brother. Like, What got you into the Army and where what got you to where you're at today? Well, I, first of all, thanks for inviting me, man. I uh, love doing this, love sharing my story, love inspiring others. So I appreciate you, too. Absolutely, brother. Um, it's kind of weird, man. I think a lot of people I talk to about the military, you know, they all want to join it from their from childhood. You know, it's like that's something that they're like, oh, man, I've always wanted to be a soldier or like law enforcement. Everybody I ever known as a cop is like, man, I've been wanting to do since I was a kid. It's different for me. I wasn't really into that life, man. I'm a military brat. So my dad's doing 20 years. I'm watching this guy, you know, leave every six months, gone all the time, like you know, obviously with the stuff he was doing with my mother, like I grew up with a lot of abuse. My dad wasn't a really nice guy. Um, he didn't abuse me, but he abused my mother for, you know, 14 years of my life. I watched this stuff happen. And, um, you know, back then the army was like, if they wanted you to have a family, they'd issue you one, you know, it was kind of that mentality, you know, right. I'm not gonna say he didn't love us, but he was just very mission first army first. And it was like, we were always second, you know, but, you know, we traveled the world, man, Germany twice. Uh, I lived in Germany nine years of my life, then come back to the States and then travel from California to Colorado to, you know, Tennessee, everywhere. So for me, the military wasn't really that attractive. It was kind of like, man, this is bullshit. But, you know, at the same time, I just, you know, I was kind of a troubled teen, man. I was in trouble and running around and getting arrested. And, you know, I feel like that at some point it was going to be no hope for me at one point in my life. But, Anyways, as time was going on, man, I, uh, you know, I ended up with my dad retired and moved here to South Carolina. I was like 16 years old, got in some trouble, got arrested and um, dropped out of high school. So obviously the army wasn't even in my mindset, dude. I don't even, I'm not even, I don't even have a high school diploma. Uh, got out of jail, met a girl. She already had a kid and uh, we got together, man, and um, ended up getting her pregnant. We got married really young. I was like 18 years old. Uh, I had my first child and I was raising her kid and uh, 
that was life, man. That's how, that's how, that's just basically what it was. I had a normal job out here, busting ass, grinding, trying to do what I do. And then, um, obviously shit just didn't work out. We start, we, you know, we separated, started, you know, going to divorce and this was around nine 11 and when nine 11 happened. So we were already separated. We were separating. And I remember watching the news and the TV. I remember I was working at a meat cutting plant. I was cutting meat and delivering it and stuff like that. And I was like 21 years old and, um, 9-11 just happened and I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy. And for weeks and months, dude, we were watching the war on Iraq. You know, we were seeing the guys overseas fighting and like a play-by-play on TV. And it was just so intriguing to me. I was like, holy shit, these guys are over here fighting, you know, fighting for America. Cause at that time, bro, you remember we were all together, like Americans, we had this pride, bro. We were, you know, oh, standing shoulder good. to shoulder. Yeah. It was very patriotic, bro. And so watching the war to me wasn't like a bad thing that was like holy shit we're kicking ass you know what i mean um and i wanted that i wanted some of that but i didn't know how to go about it like i said i didn't have a high school diploma dude i had a bunch of tattoos that i was you know from former gangs and stuff like that so i had a lot i had to do bro um i wanted to go active duty army but again i had some kids already so i didn't want to i I didn't mind deploying because i knew that would be like for a year or so yeah Right. So, but I knew if I went active duty army, I would be stationed somewhere for like four years and then right. I would never see my kids. Cause I knew my ex wasn't going to do shit about it. Right. <laughs> How many you have at the time? I had, uh, so I had two of my own and okay. but I had one that I was raising. So three at that time, bro, at like 21, 21, 22 years old, I already had three kids. <laughs> so, um, I just, I just, I just, I wanted to be a dad, man. I wanted to be home. I didn't want to, you know, excuse me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave my kids. So anyways, all that was going on, separating. And then finally, bro, I met this recruiter. He was amazing. He was in the National Guard. He, he kind of pumped me up. He was like, bro, you can serve in the Army. You know, you can do your tours. You can do stateside. You can do all these great stuff and just join with us. And later on down the road, if you decide to go active duty, all you got to do is transfer. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. So that's what I did, man. Uh, he helped me get my tattoos covered up. Some of the tattoos I had to get covered up. I, you know, I had to get some waivers for the kids. I had to, you know, took did the whole MEPS thing, did the ASFAB, signed up, bro. Twelve Bravo went to Fort Leonard Wood, two thousand four, and um, literally just got back in two thousand and five. Two thousand six comes rolling around, and I deploy to Afghanistan in two thousand seven and eight. Uh, pretty, you know. Average tour. I was a filler for 88 Mike position. Never drove a five ton in my life, but I did it the whole entire time I was there, which was cool because I learned, you know, I was driving trucks and gunning the whole time. So, you know, just to say it was a tour, you know, we had some shit. We had some ticks and IEDs and mortars and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the typical, I would say, not, I didn't lose nobody during this tour. Um, but we lost other people. Uh, come home, man, you know, just trying to live life again, bro. Just trying to get back into the, to the, to the, to the, to the life, you know, back into that life again, trying to, you know, after combat. And, uh, before you knew it, I was being ordered again to go back to Afghanistan in 2010. I was like, told the wife, you know, Oh, back up a little bit. I got, I did end up getting married again to, um, my wife now who we've been together now 17 years, but, uh, yeah, so we ended up getting married to a high school sweetheart of mine that we knew each other from high school. Ended up having a couple kids with her, actually three more kids, my first two girls and my other son. So throw that in there. Um, and this was all back in 2006, <clears throat> right before I got deployed. 
come home, get deployed again, 2010, go back to Afghanistan. And I'm actually doing it with the route clearance unit this time. So I'm doing my job, right? I'm a Husky driver, uh, you know, working on routes. If any military guys are in here, if you know what a route clearance is, it's probably one of the most stressful jobs in the military, you know, constantly running over IEDs, trying to find these damn things, trying to clear the route for infantry and everybody else. It, it was just a very hard tour. Um, yeah, I don't think people realize how much, uh, how many lives do you guys saved, you know, and, and uh, my gosh, yeah, it is a stressful job, man. It is, man. And there's a lot of guilt stuff in there, man. You know, if I miss an IED, my brothers get hit, you know, and I suffered with that for a, a while. Um, Not only got, that, but you and your, you and your buddies, man. I mean, when you guys are going, you never know when you guys get on actually, you know, any, when you're messing with explosives, bro. Yeah. <laughs> There's, they're un unpredictable sometimes. You kind of have a sick mindset too, man. Like you, you just see so much bullshit over there, dude. I, I just, I don't know, dude. I just remember constantly paranoid, constantly thinking that I was going to get hit, you know, and I eventually did get hit and I, I did get through an IED and my brothers got hit with IEDs. Uh, and there's a movie. I can't re remember what the movie's called, but there's a movie just like that where, you know, these guys are route clear, you know, and but dude, one of the guys gets blown up. I mean, it's crazy, man. I mean, we're out there using robots, bro. We're like EOD, man. <laughs> like, if we if we run into an IED, we don't even call EOD. Like, we do it ourselves. We use our robots. We blow them. We use our buffalo. We dig them up. Um, we do all that, you know. And I and my job was to find the IED or find. We had this system called the GPS, GP, GPR, GPS. No, GPR. My bad, dude. It's been so long, but it was a GPR system. And basically, I can see inside of the ground in a, like a 4D dimension. Wow. And you have to kind of guess. So if you're driving and you get this, it's like a metal detector. It's like a huge metal detector. So if you hear like a ping go off, plus I'm looking at this screen that's in front of me. So if I hear a ping and I see this screen and there's something in the ground, it's my job to mark it back up out the way while the buffalo comes up and digs it. But the whole route, dude, I got choices to make because there's rocks in the ground that look like IEDs. There's rocks and cans and different shit. So you guys got to get to a level where are we going to stop every single time I get a ping or are we going to take a chance and roll out? You know, some people tell me they want me to stop every time. But, dude, you'll turn a 15-hour mission into 24-hour mission easy if we do that, you know. So I don't know, bro. It was just, it was a crazy, very mental job, dude. And it was just, it really messed with me, bro. There's so many stories I could go on to and tell you of times that I was so scared and, and things that happened, but let's just say it was a fucked up tour. Uh, um, it was, it was rough. Um, about halfway point, dude, I jumped off one of the MRAPs. We were doing a dismount mission and I landed on my knee in a ditch and I tore my ACL, my meniscus. And uh, at the time, I didn't know what the hell would happen. All I knew is my knee was, just, I do, I couldn't even walk. It was so, like, my knee was, like, swole up, bro. Um, the medic checked it out. Instantly, he knew I was in pain. So he's, like, giving me, like, Percocets. He's, like, a little bag of, like, 12 of them. He's, like, here, take take one of these every couple hours. I'm, like, okay, cool. Never took a pain med in my life, dude. But, you know, he, he gave them to me. I started taking them. It eased the pain, but it also made me feel good, too. It was weird. It's like my euphoria was going up. I was like, oh, shit, dude, I like this. Uh, that was the kind of this. That was kind of a bad sign at the beginning. Like, I liked the way they made me feel. Um, went to Qatar. You know, the commander sent me out to Qatar to, to, to find out officially, you know, get an MRI done. And it was a complete tear. I had to have reconstructive surgery and all that dumb shit. And so I get back to the base and 
couple months go by. Well, actually a couple weeks go, a few weeks, about a month. I'd say about four weeks go by and uh, I end up falling down in front of the commander. He sees me. He's like, dude, we got a few months left. Just go home, get surgery, you know, and come back to the unit. Like go have your surgery, get back with the unit and you can go, you know, deploy with us to Kosovo, which was our next tour. That was the plan. <laughs> go to Fort Gordon, Georgia, have your surgery, you know, do your physical therapy and then come back to the unit live life like whatever get my promotion all that good shit well all of that turned into two years two almost two and a half years sitting on fort gordon's base uh it was a medical unit it's kind of like walter Reed, where all the injured soldiers were coming in from afghanistan and iraq to get help like if they were shot or blowed up or whatever gosh damn dude that'd be kind of depressing <sighs> fucking depressing bro <laughs> oh. i mean you're you're in you're, you're with your unit you you're 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 serving and the next thing you know you're at a medical unit and, and, you know, I have my surgery a couple months go by. I have my surgery, by the way, I'm eating the hell out of painkillers at this point, right? Like I got a prescription I'm eating them every day. Um, I start having my, I have my surgery. I start physical therapy. Things are looking good until one day my case, my nurse case manager walks up to me. She says, you need to see a therapist. Like you need to see the doctors. You need to go talk to them. You know, we know there's, we know we can see that you're depressed. We can see that you're going through stuff. Like, just go talk to them. It ain't going to hurt nothing. Be real. Be real. All right. So I go be real with this doctor, man. I'm having nightmares. I'm having dreams. I'm feeling weird. Like I'm, I'm shaky. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having all these issues. I'm jumpy all the time. I feel like people are after me. Like I, I got to have my back against the wall in a restaurant. Like there's a lot of weird shit going on. I can't explain. Come find out. I have PTSD. So he diagnoses me right then and there. You got PTSD, you know, yeah, yeah. and then he's like, you got anxiety disorder. You have fucking depression disorder. You have uh, all these disorders. You know, I can't sleep. I have this. I have that. And what comes with that medication? So he's giving me a pill for every one of those symptoms. And it ends up being like about 16 different types of medications, bro, from lithium to geodon to Fexor to Ambium, just Percocets. Xanax, bro. It cannot be good for all your organs. Absolutely. Dude, <laughs> you're talking about losing it. Like if I wasn't crazy before, I was turning crazy from all the medications, literally like a uh, like a zombie, bro. Standing in formation, falling out. <laughs> 16 pill cocktails. 16 pills, bro. No lie. I promise you. If I ever find a damn picture of where I took a photo of it on my desk one day and I was showing my wife, I was like, look at this. This is insane. And it wasn't no vitamin shit. They were all doctor prescribed medication. And, and dude, it is just, it had me messed up, man. It had me messed up on top of the shit I was going through on top. of I was becoming addicted to, you know, painkillers and Xanaxes. And I think that's what was keeping me going. I think about it now, man. It's like, I think the only reason why I, I, I love the painkiller so much and the Xanax is because it put me in a different mindset. It made me feel happy. It was like a happy pill. You know, making me cope with all this dumb shit that's going on in my life right now. And so I'm talking to doctors now. I'm now I'm healed, bro. Like not healed, healed. But I mean, I've done my physical therapy. I'm good. It's been a year. But now they're keeping me longer because they're talking about med boarding me now saying, OK, well, you're you're non-deployable. So I went from going from just surgery to going back to my unit to now I'm diagnosed with like six different diagnoses, 16 different pills. And I'm being told that I'm non-deployable. What's my options? Well, the options is you can med board, we'll retire you out, 
We'll retire you. And then you can go to the VA and get 100%. Live your life. Life will be grand. You'll have 100%. And, you know? So whatever, dude. That goes on for a while. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, okay, cool. That's what I'll do. I, I, just, I, I, just, I just finally accepted it. I was just like, whatever. I'll just whatever. And, you know, my unit found out and all that good shit. But anyways, two years goes by. I finally get out October of 2012. I retire, medically retire, I guess. And uh, I go home <laughs> and I go home and I'm like, yay, time to go home. Time to live a normal life. You know, I don't know, bro. Couldn't keep a job, man. I was, I was freaking nuts, dude. I was everywhere, bro. I was, I, my mind, I, I, the depression started instantly. Because, I mean, I'm already out of the army now. I'm missing the army. I'm missing my bros. I'm missing the life. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I'm snorting 300 milligrams. Right. I'm snorting 300 milligrams of oxycodone every day. I'm popping at least 70 milligrams of Xanax every day. You know, I go to the VA finally for my first doctor's appointment. And she's like, oh, I see you're on all this medication. I'm like, yes, ma'am. She's like, we're going to take this off. 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 You don't need that. You don't need that. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I need that one and I need that one. And she's like, no, you don't. And she's like, you've been taking these meds for like over two years now. And she's like, you know, I'm like, well, ma'am, I mean, I'm not trying to tell her that I'm an addict, but I'm like, I need those pills. She's like, well, you're gonna have to choose. She's like, you can't have the Xanax for your anxiety and you can't take a Percocet because those two mixed together will kill you. I'm like, are you serious? Have you been seeing what I've been taking for two years? And now you worried. <laughs> so it was just crazy. So I decided that I was like, well, I need my anxiety meds, bro. Because if anybody else has anxiety, bro, it's, it's, it, it comes with panic attacks and it comes with a lot of stuff, dude. And I needed right. those. So I kept the Xanax. She took away my Percocets instantly from me, even though she knew I'd been taking them over two years. And that put me in dope sick status. And I've never been dope sick before. I had no idea what was going on, but I was sick, dude. I felt like I got hit by a truck. I was throwing up, dude. I was on the toilet. And all I knew is I needed some pills. And that's when it started, man. I started buying them in the streets. I started connecting with drug dealers that had medicine. That's when the money started. That's when I started spending almost a grand a month on pills you know, out of my wife's, out of our paychecks, you know, out of the VA money and stuff, like just spending all my money on drugs until I started buying drugs to sell drugs, to make more money, doing different, you know, upgrading, right. Going from regular Percocets to now I'm taking Roxy tens, the twenties, the thirties. And, you know, now I'm chewing on fentanyl and now I'm snorting heroin because it's cheaper. Like, bro, this went on forever, dude. And I went on to 2016 when I finally went to rehab for the first time. And I got clean for 30 days and that only lasted about another 30 days. And I thought I can do one or two a day or one or two a week. Didn't work, man. Um, multiple times I've OD'd, brother. Kind of was this, uh, the setback that made you, after you got out of that the, the first time, what was the setback that made you want to go back and use it again? Or you just were like, I'll just do a little bit. You like the feeling of it or something? I feel like it was, if I think about it, I f I think part of it was I found out my brother killed himself. You know, my best friend from Fort Gordon, his name was Barrero, and he's a he's a big reason why everything I do nowadays is because of him. But yeah, man, he I called him. I tried. We used to talk on Facebook Messenger after he got out and I got out, and he just didn't answer me one day, bro. And um, his daughter answered back, and she said, "My dad's not here." And I'm like, "Okay, well, where is he?" She said, "Uh." 
he's dead. Straight up, bro. Like, he's dead. She's texting this. She's like, he's dead. I'm like, what? She's like, can you guess how he did it? How he did it? I say, I don't know. Drinking? She said, no, he hung himself. I'm like, like, I can see. She's 12 years old, man. She's she's in anger. She's in pain. I mean, I I love this little girl, man. We've talked multiple times with her to dad. I mean, they were family to me. Um, So I think when that happened, dude, I started thinking things like, I just want, I just need a pill. I'm just, I, I don't know, making excuses, bro. And I went back and I started, I started with one and I said, okay, I can do maybe one on the weekend or two or on the weekend. And it just, it just, it didn't take long, bro. The only difference between this time and last time was the first time for all those years, I was doing it in front of my wife. I wasn't hiding it. She saw the money spending. She saw what I was doing. And I was getting so high that I was nodding out everywhere I went, bro. Like restaurants, I was falling asleep. I mean, fucking ODing at least twice a week. Um, just stupid stuff, man. And this time I started hiding it from her because I done got a lecture from her. Now I got an ultimatum. She's like, you know, you, you, it's time to quit. It's time to get clean. Like, I don't want you doing this anymore. And so now I'm running around trying to be discreet and hide it from her. And, you know, so it, it actually got worse, bro, the second time because I started snorting it. I started snorting it and I started using it like Coke. You know, it was like, Snort a 20, bam, get that upper and run around, do what I do for, you know, an hour and a half thinking I'm normal. And then I turn around and do another 20 and then another 20 and another 20. And it just all day long crushing up pills in the bathroom and just, you know, anywhere I could go that I was being discreet and hiding, you know, hell, sitting in my truck, crushing a pill, snorting in the damn driveway. Like, bro, just, you know, going to the trap houses, hanging out with all these drug dealers and just stupid stuff, bro. Living the life that I knew I wasn't meant for, man. And, um, getting robbed and getting in fights. And <laughs> like, here I am a grown ass man, veteran that's living life, like a, a junkie living life. Like, uh, you know, just surprised. I didn't do anything so stupid where I went to prison. You know what I mean? Thank God. Like God was on my side, man. And so this went on, that was my life, bro. That, that, that is the basic story, man. You know, getting hurt in Afghanistan and then being diagnosed with all this stuff and then turning into a drug addict, uh, on top of drinking, bro, drinking like a damn fish every night with the meds, you know, and, and just for almost 10 years, bro, I lived that life in the streets, you know, taking all our money, spending all our money, almost damn near homeless because I can't control myself. And, uh, that's, that's, yeah, that, that's what was, big, uh, what was a big turning point for you that, that made you want to get out of that situation or, or got you out of that situation. Um, I think there was, um, I mean, the very beginning of wanting to get clean, um, came from a, a fellow veteran. He was airborne, very good guy. Um, you know, he was heavy drinker and stuff, but he didn't play with those drugs and stuff. And, uh, I'm going to tell you guys a story that I don't tell everybody. I tell sometimes this is part of the podcast, uh, story. It it just depends on how I feel. I don't always tell this part because this part right here, I mean, it's, it's the life changing part, but it's, it's just something I don't always, I leave out sometimes, but it was what we were just talking about earlier. Um, I was, I was, I was going to unalive myself, man. I was at a point where I was just, I was done. I felt bad. I felt like, I felt like a loser. I felt like, I felt like a failure. 
I was not a husband. I was not a dad. I mean, I was there, but I was just not there. I was there, but I was not there. And I just feel like I just, I was sick, man. I had no medicine. I had no money. I was finally flat broke. I was at the rock bottom, at the bottom, bottom, bottom. And I just wanted to give up, man. I wanted to quit. And I had this feeling that I was really going to do it. Like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to end my life, be done with it. My family would be better off without me. I get this damn phone call from, from a guy that I know, of course the devil works every single time. You know what I mean? I couldn't find nothing for two days. And all of a sudden my phone rings and it's this dope dealer. He's like, Hey man, I got something for you. Are you, do you want something? I'm like, well, you know what I want. And he's like, come on through. So I go over there expecting him to have some opioids or something. And he has meth. And at this point, bro, I have never done meth. That was not my thing. I could say I was proudly, I was a opiate addict. <laughs> I didn't mess with, you know, anything else. That was my drug choice. And that's what I was hooked on. And, uh, but he kept persuading me. He was like, bro, if you, I'm telling you, you're going to feel better. If you hit this line, it's going to make you feel better. You're going to have energy. You're going to feel good. I'm like, all right, man, whatever. You know, I thought chewing on fentanyl was my lowest point. You know, snorting heroin was my lowest point. This was my lowest point. I'm over here snorting meth now. And for me, as a veteran and seeing myself like from a from a third view, looking down at myself saying, wow, it's come to this. I am snorting meth. Are you freaking kidding me right now? I snorted it, dude. It, it did nothing for me. It did not do nothing for me. It put me even worse depression, bro. Like I, I, I went, I went from at least feeling really bad and considering taking my life to now I was convinced. I was like, thank you. This is what I needed. This is exactly what just showed me that, you know what? I thought it was a sign from God, bro. I thought, holy shit, I'm over here complimenting, killing myself. And then I get a phone call and I snort meth now. Wow. This is it. So I'm on my way home, man. I'm on my way. And I'm Listen, I'm finding rope. I'm finding a damn rock to stand on or whatever. I'm going to tie myself to a tree in the backyard. That way, when my wife finds me, all she got to do is cut me out of the tree and put me in a box. Like, no mess, no no, no, no problem. Just cut cut me out of the tree. And, and I was convinced and I was ready to do it. So I think on the way home, I made some stupid posts. And it wasn't suicidal posts. It was just a dark post, like life sucks or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm just sick of this life or something like that. And Obviously, I had a lot of people reaching out and uh, I was ignoring everybody. But I had this one brother, the one I'm about to tell you about, Airborne Bro. He uh, blowed me up, man. This guy would not quit. Other people would call. I wouldn't answer. But this guy would not quit. And he called and he called and he called and he called. <laughs> and uh, I knew if I started talking to him that I would probably change my mind or I'd feel better or like whatever. I just didn't want to talk to nobody. I just I didn't want to hear it. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I got to do. Nobody's going to stop me. This is my plan. I guess it really was God that really nudged me. But he was like, answer the phone, answer the phone, you know. So I did. I answered the phone. And it just started, bro. Just, you just started, you know, it got on the phone. What's going on with you, man? I saw your post. How you doing? What's wrong? You know, I was kind of lying and kind of just kind of like, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. And then something in me just started crying, bro. I just, the tears rolling down my eyes. I started feeling very guilty. I started feeling like I wanted, like, almost like he was a preacher and I was confessing <laughs> and I just started confessing myself to him, man. And you know, I, I didn't get the result. I thought he come back with 
why are you bitching? Why are you whining? Why are you doing this? And why are you like talking to me, talking to me in a way, bro, where I've never had no one talk to me. It wasn't, no, it'll be all right, bro. It was, you're doing this to yourself. Like, what you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you are doing this to yourself. Yeah. Tough love. Yep. And he, bro, I felt like a drill sergeant, but he wasn't screaming. He was just really like, you know, get your head out your ass, bro. Like, I don't feel sorry for you. Like you did this, you know, if you want a better life, brother, then change it. Like, why are you whining? Why are you doing this? You know, you're talking about all your money's gone. Well, stop spending your money on drugs. You talk about you're tired of being a drug addict. Well, quit being a drug addict. Go get help. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was, bro. And I guess I needed that. I needed that, that, that authority. I needed that, you know, anybody that's ever served in the military, I think we all miss that kind of held into kind of ourselves kind of accountable. We always have somebody that does that. Either it's our sergeant. Or it's our, you know, commander, whatever. We all have somebody that helps us be accountable. And I needed that responsibility. I needed that accountability. I needed that kind of, uh, that figure that was like, get up, soldier. Time to roll, you know. And uh, that's what he was for me. And uh, that was the first moment I was like, this guy's making some sense. (laughs) Like, maybe I should get clean. Uh, maybe I should just be better, you know? So anyways, I go back to the house that night. Ultimately I changed my mind. I'm like, okay, well maybe I'll live another day. And, you know, I started thinking about my kids and thinking about my little girls and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, man, there's no way I can, you know, I just got to get help. And I wanted it, bro. Like I felt that in my soul, like I can do this. There's nothing I can't do. I went to bed that night, man. I prayed. I prayed for the first time in a long time. And I was like, God, please help me get through this addiction. Like, I am dead serious. I'm coming to you right now. Like, it's either life or death at this moment. Either I am going to get clean and sober, or I'm either going to, I'm just going to fucking OD. I'm just going to, I'm just going to snore everything I can and I'm just going to kill myself or I'm going to get clean. Like, there's no in between anymore. And uh, I prayed about it, bro. And I woke up the next day. And I was still dope sick and I was still feeling bad and I was still had the cravings, but I still had this same feeling I had the night before. Like, I want this. I want to do this. So I walked up to my wife and I said, I got to tell you something. She said, what? I said, I, I've been doing again. I've been using again for, you know, since I went to rehab last time. She's like, no shit. <laughs> Duh. Like, you think nobody notices? Like, we all know. We see the money. We see how you act. Like, she knew. You know, I was being naive and um, I was like, well, here's the deal. I'm ready to get clean. I'm ready to get, I'm ready to get help. She's heard this before, but you know, she can see that I'm dead serious now. I'm like, I want to get help. So we start talking, we start calling around Florence, dude. And we found this detox center that was going to take me the next morning. But if I had $600, uh, it didn't take any kind of insurance or anything like that. It was just a straight detox center, 600 bucks. And I don't know how the hell we came up with it, but we ended up coming up with $600. We like, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what it was for rent, groceries, whatever came up with the $600 paid it that next morning, bro. My wife dropped me off. I stayed in there 10 days, detox, sick as hell, got through it, got through it. The very next day coming out of detox, I signed up for uh, an outpatient uh, intensive care unit center. And uh, started doing therapy instantly, bro. And I did it for, damn, 
almost a year I was in there. Um, but it was like around month seven, six and seven that I started talking about it and, uh, went live on Facebook one day and I was like, Hey, um, just so everybody knows I was a drug addict for 10 years. And if I can get clean, so can you, I've been clean now for almost a year. And the, the, the response of people was crazy. The outreach was insane. People were like, wow, I'm so proud of you. Like it was just, it was really good, man. And I started going more lives and started making more videos of inspiring people. And that's what it transitioned to, bro. So I got clean in 2000, um, the beginning, the end of 2019, beginning of, beginning of 2018. So 2000, I get it always mixed up because see, now I'm at a point where I don't count days no more. Like it, it, it's at the beginning, we count the months and the years, but right. now I'm at, I think Sorry. year, year yeah. four, <laughs> I'm at year four, bro. So clean sober for four years, bro. And I did it and I did it because I wanted it and no other reason I wanted it. And I did it. And that sounds like that was the biggest turning point, man, is, is you wanted it this time. And, and it wasn't uh, what everybody else wanted. It's what Sean wanted. And that sounds important. So, I mean, for anybody out there struggling with addiction, you know, know that you got to want to get out of that situation. You can't do it for everybody else. You got to be the one that wants to do it. Absolutely. You got to want it, man. It's it's just like smoking cigarettes, vaping, uh, drinking. I mean, dude, if I really want it, like people say it all the time, oh, I want to quit smoking cigarettes. I'm like, well, then put it down. She's like, well, you know how hard that is. Of course it's hard. <laughs> of course it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. But if you really wanted to put it down, you know, take that bitch and throw it away. A couple of times is mindset. I mean, mindset, bro. It, it is a mindset, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it, your mindset is, oh, I got it. I need it. I have to have it. You got to change that mindset because that part is, is you thinking it. it's not that you really need it. Right. I mean, your body does start to become dependent upon certain things. So yeah, mm -hmm. once you start feeding that, right. Right. You know, um, but you also got to get that urge in your head to say, you know what? I, I don't need it. It does become a dependency, bro. And, and that's why you get that physical addiction. Like I said, and you know, with the medicine and stuff, I was throwing up, I was sick, I was dope sick. And, and, and that's who real detox is real. Yeah. Who likes yeah. to feel, you know, queasy <laughs> and, and, and want to throw up. I mean, so I imagine to get out of that, bro, you're like, fuck it, man. Just give me, give me some more. Right. Yeah. Right. And plus the craving that comes with it. I think people that's right. never struggle with any kind of craving, um, addiction, craving for drugs, you know, for opiate craving, it's unexplainable. Like I would be willing to crawl through coal, hot coals and flames to get to it. like, dude, there would be a time, bro. I'd be outside digging in my car, looking for a pill, you know, looking like a freaking crackhead, you know, searching everywhere. Imagine searching, you know what I mean? Looking for that pill that, you know, finding a half a pill, sharing fentanyl with somebody like, dude, come on. The, the, the dumb shit I've done on that stuff, man. I, I just can't believe it. I look back now and I'm like, holy smokes, dude. Can't believe I did it. But, you know, I'm not that guy no more. And, um, no, uh, man, now you're, you're a big advocate. You're a big advocate <laughs> for, yeah. you know, veterans, not only just veterans, but, uh, you know, everybody yeah. with it or any kind of mental health type of issues. So I think let's go ahead and kind of get into the next phase of your life, man. Like, what, you know, I, I, you know, I know that what got you kind of going on TikTok and on the social media platforms and, and mm -hmm. kind of what made you grow to the level that you're at, 
And then also he's uh you know a author of a book that uh we'll get into when he gets there. But uh let's go ahead and start talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so uh like I said, I started using Facebook more for more positivity stuff and going live and making videos, and I started building my platform at that time. Um started with Facebook and YouTube and just I don't know, man. I felt passionate about just just talking to people, right? Just trying to just I just wanted to inspire people, motivate people and say, look, man, if I can do this, you can do it, dude. There's no excuses like, you know, giving that tough love to people and and showing people, man, I'm here. I'm breathing. I'm alive. I did this and you can do it. So that was just a passion of mine, man. And, you know, it went on from that to people finding me on social media, offering me positions like different speaking events, going to Washington, D.C., you know, standing in front of 600 people, going to Ohio, you know, going to North Carolina, Florida, Texas, Georgia, like, bro, I've been all over the country sharing my message and inspiring and advocating for veterans. And that was another thing, man. Uh, just to back up a little during 2016, when my brother took his life, I started doing research and, and these big numbers popped up 22, 22, 22. And, and that's when I found out about the 22 a day was in 2016. And um, ever since then, I've been an advocate for that, you know, posting 22 here, 22 there, like, you know, we're losing over and then we know the numbers are way over, but that's more of a, 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 an average number of veterans. So if you don't know this, we're losing over 22 veterans every day to suicide. If you guys really think about that, that is insane. We're losing more veterans to suicide than we did in combat. Like that's why I try not to get wrapped around the number twenty two because it right. is a little misleading, I think, and I don't want it, people to uh, be misled. Right. You know, uh, there's the, the numbers sometimes are far greater than that. Not right. everything is, is recorded right off rip. So, oh yeah, I mean, think about it, dude. How many veterans do we have in this country that aren't in that aren't enrolled in the VA? I mean, and then when they take their life and then I found out a lot of times they don't count alcohol overdoses or, or drug overdoses as, as suicide, but they would be surprised of how many people kill themselves by drinking themselves to death or popping pills or shooting up heroin or, you know, whatever. So the number is far more greater. We know there'd probably be, and this is no exaggeration. I would guess around 40 to 50 a day, but um, 22 is a good number for people just to kind of say, look, here's a number. This is something to focus on because the, because the VA averages at 20. If you call, if you look them up, it'll say 20. And I think we threw a 22 in there. I don't know where it came from, but 22 a day, it's a way to, for people to understand what's going on. Um, so anyways, I started advocating for that, started talking about the veteran suicide, getting a little more political talking about what was going on in the country, having, you know, having some passion again, I started getting passion again, bro. I started getting more like finding my purpose. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I had a voice. I knew people were listening. So I'm like, shit, you know, I talk, they listen, then <laughs> let's go. As long as I'm doing it for, you know, for good. And, uh, that's what I've been doing, bro. Just using social media and, and, and uh, 2021 is when I wrote my first book. And that was when, with all the talking and like, I have this quote, just don't talk about it, be about it. And with all this talking, I'm like, you know, I got to be about this thing, man. You know, I had opened up a group 
called Vet Life for Life. I built that group on Facebook in 2016 as well. But it was a place for veterans to go and civilians and people to go to have a safe place just to talk about their problems, you know. Um, yeah. You know, even though I wasn't helping myself back then, I still had this passion to help others. And um, or at least for others to get help because, you know, I lost my brother. That, that affected a lot of me. And um, so I had the group thing going on Facebook and I'm like, you know what? I want to I want to I want to help people with my story, but I don't want to I don't want to write a bio doc. I don't want to write a you know, what I'm saying a bio. I don't want to I don't want to write a book about myself and my story like I'm telling. I want to do it in a way to where I want to put my lessons in life that I've learned. I want to. I want to, people want to know, how did you get to point A to point B? Okay. Well, okay. I wanted it, but how, but what did I do because I wanted it? What did it take? Right. It took my mindset, right? It took accepting it. It took, you know, recovery. It took self-worth. It took, um, you know, it took these things. So I, so I put everything together and I made a list and I'm like, okay, if you follow this directions and you, and you do it like this, and do it like this, then this will help you. It's a self-care book, veteran mindset 2.0, how to get to a 2.0 mindset, you know, without saying this is my story. This is all of our story, you know, and it's not just for veterans. It's for, you know, anybody that struggles with PTSD, struggles with mental health, struggles with depression, struggle with addiction. If you struggle with the, with that mindset that says you're a nobody, this book will help guide you to become a better person by having a better mindset, by accepting your past, accepting the things you've been through. You know what I mean? Learning to love yourself, you know, learning to go into recovery. How do you stay in recovery? You know, focus, focus on your life now, you know, quit focusing on the bullshit in the past, all of this stuff. So I wanted to find a solution, bro. And that's what I did. I wrote a book, uh, continue to start doing that. Then I started doing podcasts. Um, and then I just started blowing up, bro. And I just, uh, like you said, over 300,000 on TikTok, uh, just by spreading my message, almost at 55,000 right now on Facebook, <laughs> 51,000, almost 52,000 on Facebook. And by wow. mine, just my second page, bro, I got banned two years ago on Facebook because I made a political post that was me standing next to the American flag. And I said, oh, by the way, I just want everybody to remember this. If you don't know this, that we've had soldiers, we've had brothers and sisters die for this flag behind us. And uh, for your freedoms. So just a reminder, freedom isn't free. Facebook ripped it down, bro. Ripped it down and, and deleted my account. It's funny because whenever I uh, put something, I always put, uh, you know, for your information, Facebook, this is my First Amendment right. <laughs> freedom, <laughs> You know, so well, they ripped I, it down, man. They ripped it down. They ripped my page down. Yeah. Gone, bro. I was selling shirts, veteran yeah. guy merch. Uh, I'm Facebook. the owner of hashtag Veteran Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. My cousin kind of did the same thing, bro, and he got booted right out of Facebook for the same kind of stuff. It's like, wow, it's crazy, bro. I had hundreds and hundreds of reviews. It was a great page, but I guess God had different plans because once that page came down, I left Facebook. And that's why I even went to TikTok. That's why I went to TikTok is because Facebook ripped me down and I did TikTok full time. And so as I started growing on TikTok, I kind of started going back to Facebook because I missed it, you know, and, and different stuff and all the relationships that I've built in time. But anyways, I cranked Facebook back up and started using it and using the reels and using different stuff. And before you knew it, bro, I just blew the hell up over there, too. And so um, 
I don't know, man. I don't think there's nothing special about me. I think I just, I, I keep it real. I'm just this person that has a story just like everybody else. And I think I keep it real and I, and I'm, and I'm passionate about what I do. And I think people see that. I think they see the passion and I think they just, I can, I, they see me and they see themselves and they go, Oh, I can relate to this guy. And I think that's really what makes me who I am. It's just, I just, I'm just real, you know, and I'm not going to lie to nobody. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell you how it is. If it hurts your feelings, then I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put my arm around you and love you, but if you need some tough love, I'll kick your ass too. Like, you know, it's right. what, it's whatever you need. You know, um, some people need more emotional. I can be emotional or I can be what you need me to be. So I've done consultation bros. I've been doing coaching now for two years. I get people, you know, I got clients. Um, we do podcasts, write books. I'm on my next, um, I was part of another book called uh, from no worth to self-worth. Uh, we co-authored it. It was a pretty amazing book as well. And now I'm writing my third book and I'm not going to give the name right now, but it's, it's going to be based on recovery and drugs and stuff like that. So with some online courses and stuff. So yeah, we're doing some big stuff, man, and building a discord. I got a discord now where people can come and actually have help. Um, but we're building a new one and, uh, people pay a monthly price to be in here because we're going to give them personally one-on-one -on -one coaching with, you know, spirituality coaches, with mindset coaches, with, you know, give people value, bro, give people a place where they can go and, uh, actually get help. And then the last thing I'll say is that that vet life for life group had turned into a nonprofit. So I even opened up a nonprofit and it became a nonprofit now almost two years. So vet life for life is a nonprofit you can find it at vetlifeforlife.com. That's the website, and uh, we're, we're in the middle of trying to build a facility where we can take people and help people that are struggling. So that, that's, that's the, the in and out, bro. <laughs> that's, that's the, you know, from what I was, bro, sitting there snorting. I can remember sitting back, and I didn't tell this story on your part this time, but when I was sitting in the bathroom, that story I told you, and I was ODing in the, in the military, to who I am today. Like even now I don't sometimes I, cause I don't never think about myself the way y'all do. Like I don't look at myself the way others do. They're like, I don't think you really understand how many lives you're changing. I'm like, I don't think I do. <laughs> like, I don't think I do because I never look at it like that. I mean, I got thousands of reviews and thousands of testimonies, but I just, I don't know, bro. I still look at myself now and I'm like, wow, I have changed and I am better, but I don't look at myself the way other people do. But well, let me ask you, brother, like, uh, you know, how do you manage triggers and things like that mm. today so you don't fall back into that dark place, man? I mean, I know life isn't easy, brother, mm. especially when you got kids mm. and, and it, you never know when you're going to get that curveball. But what's going to prevent you from, you know, ever falling off that edge again? Or, what, you know, what what do you do nowadays when you when you find yourself going into that direction? You know, I, I do struggle and I remind people all the time, man, like I do have PTSD, right? I do have depression. I do have anxiety. I do have these things, right? And I learned a long time ago, part of this quote that I tell people is my diagnosis does not define me. And I have to remind myself of that when I feel like I want to be a victim or I sit back and go, man, I have PTSD and I can't do this. And I start freaking out and I get anger. Like my anger is probably one of the worst things that I struggle with is my anger. And uh, I can get really angry, but I have to remind myself, bro, where I come from. I'm like, if I even think about, even if, even if it crosses my mind for a split second that, man, I could snort a pill right now. I think about how far I've grown. I think about, you know, 
what it took to get here. And I also think about leading by example. I want to do everything I can do. And, and I will never come on here and be an influencer and not live the life that I say. I would never tell you to do something that I wouldn't do. I'm not going to stand here and tell you, get this mindset, be this person, live this life. And then me being over here, being a liar, uh, I got integrity, bro. So my biggest thing is I got people that support me and people that believe in me. And I think that that's what I fall back to. So when I do find myself struggling and I find myself wanting to give up or wanting to quit or wanting to, to you know, get high, I just think about my accomplishments, bro. People always say, never look back. Never look back, right? You've heard that before. Never look back. I always say, never look back, but it's okay to look back once in a while just to see how far you've come. You know what I mean? Just look back every once in a while, glance back there and go, holy shit, I'm pretty far than where I started. So I think that's okay, yeah. man. That's it's what re- I do. It's good to reflect, man, because you got to see mm-hmm. that growth. And, got to, and, bro. And you, and you always got to stay humble and remember where you came from and, and uh, where you are. That's you know, the trick and, too, man. That's that's the key. Staying humble, remembering yeah. where you come from, bro. We talked about this on the phone. You know, staying real, staying humble. You know, it's easy to let the clout get to your head. Very easy, especially when you're going viral. You know, especially when you got a lot of people that are hitting you up, and it's like, but you got to remind yourself, bro. You, I ain't a nobody. Like, I'm not a fucking celebrity. I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter how it does. You can have. You can love yourself. Be proud of yourself, but try to keep that ego in check is what I'm getting at. It doesn't matter how big you are. I don't care if I was a celebrity status, like keep the ego in check. You are a a, a person just like you. I put my pants on just like you do. And we both come from a story. We both have, you know, I think as long as you stay humble and stay real with people, you'll be fine. And that's my goal, man. I just stay humble, stay real, stay, stay legit, bro. You see the people I talk to, you will never catch me on my lives. Like, like you will, I have friends that have 300,000 followers, 500. I got friends that are all verified and they have millions of followers, but that's not my, that's not, that's not my, that's not my, um, reference, like preference. Right. When I start, I'm 330,000 followers on TikTok. So I have friends that have that and they, and their whole mentality is they're not going to socialize with people under that. I'm like, you're crazy, bro. All my friends are under that. All my friends are under 10,000. I got friends that are at 20, maybe 30,000, but it's just a number. Like if you understand these guys in person, in real life, some of my best friends have, you know, a hundred followers on TikTok, but they're amazing people. Like who gives a shit? (laughs) But you know, some people take that very serious and that, and then they live their whole life on that number. And, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of drifting off now, but I really yeah. got to say, I appreciate and love about you, dude, is, is you're extremely approachable. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is intimidating when you do yes. see like your followers of course, of course. and yeah. your, your accolades and stuff, but mm. you know, talking to you, man, you're just, you're really down to earth, dude, mm. you know, um, easy to talk to, you know, you could have easily blew me off. Thank after you. We got that <laughs> I'm glad you said that <laughs> Go around, you yes. know, but, um, I gotta say, dude, I, when I found you, you were mm-hmm. quite the inspiration for me. Um, I, it, it, I found you around 2020 timeframe. I want to yep. say when, um, the COVID time, when we all started getting on the lockdowns and shit. Oh, so yeah. I think I found you at a, at a good time when I kind of needed mm-hmm. the veteran community, you know, and, and, 
and here you are, a big advocate, and uh, you know you got a, a huge- yeah. I think at that time, dude, I only had probably like forty thousand followers, maybe yeah. 30, yeah. 40. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I took a break for a while from TikTok, <laughs> and, I, and it's funny. I, I uh, I'm uh, I'm on on YouTube, and I'm watching uh, the Contagion Effect show or whatever, mm. and, and yeah. I see you on, and I'm oh, <laughs> like, I know that guy. <laughs> so that made me like go back on to TikTok yeah. and go look you up again. Because holy shit. <laughs> he doesn't grow up. <laughs> Blown up, yeah. man. So, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was like, I'm going to try to reach out to him and, and see if he'll, uh, you know, take my message. And lo and behold, man, he responded back, you know, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, we we uh, talked and I feel like we kind of hit it off. I feel like if Sean and I, I, I so. were, we'd have a damn good time. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, that's the one thing that's great about when you bring veterans together. We are one hell of a fighting force on the on the fighting field, on the playing field. But, you know, we are just as fucking forceful as when we all <laughs> Absolutely, man. I mean, listen, we're brothers, man. Regardless of whatever branch we served, how many years, whatever. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, we'll give each other a hard time. Yeah, you're a crayon eater. Yeah, this guy over here is, you know, air, you know, chair force. I'm I'm a I'm a army grunt that licks windows, like whatever. Like, <laughs> but at the end of the day. You know the guys that go too hard into it and be like, oh well, they're you know they're in the army or something. Yeah, yeah. you've never deployed before. You've never been in the combat zone because watching us all work together is something beautiful. Absolutely, come together for a huge mission, and here we all rolling down deep, bro. You know, Mm -hmm. on the rush, fucking Baghdad. Let's let's go beat these (laughs) motherfuckers. You know. And now look at us, you know, we're outside the military and still giving back, still serving one way or another. And if you, if you don't think this is serving, then, you know, it is. And I think that's what I also love about most veterans is that we, we, I think from the beginning, we've all had this passion of wanting to help people. And I think this is just another way to do it in our realm, a way we can do it, you know, using your voice to help somebody else. Well, that's why, you know, I'm at a, I'm at a, stage of my life now where i feel like i want to cheer my fellow guys on and yes no and and i think something that guys have a problem with is saying hey bro you're doing a great job today i do do. i mean we (laughs) like we have a hard time giving each other um, accolades or you know Mm -hmm. hey you know just just any kind of uh positive reinforcement because you know i think guys get that alpha male type of uh thought in their self like in too prideful but either it's an alpha male or either some of them are just very selfish and they're just very like i don't want to put too much attention on this guy because it's taken away from me right but they don't understand bro and when you're supporting like like you like i know this isn't you like like somebody supporting me and i ultimately support them and they don't you know that's how it works you know it's not going to be oh this guy supported me and now i'm not going to support him you know i mean yeah there's people that do that but for the most part, wouldn't you rather support somebody that might be doing it and then knowing that they got your back to help you grow? I always say if I grow, we grow as a family, you know. Yep. And, um, and I tell anybody that comes on my show, man, this mm-hmm. isn't a podcast show. This is a brotherhood, bro. Like, I got your numbers now. And, yep. you know, uh, I, I want to know how you guys are doing, man. You guys you guys have uh, touched me in some way or another whenever I bring on my guest. I, I, I'm I'm I'm. I love podcasting now just mm-hmm. for the sheer fact of this kind of, you know, relationship of being just able having to have somebody to talk to and chill and cut up. Yeah. Yeah. If, We've if never met rough. each other in person, but 
I guarantee you we keep this relationship like this. You know, when we do meet each other, it's going to be simple handshake and feel like we've known each other forever because. Nah, bro, it, it ain't no handshake. I'll be hugging you, bro. I'm but but hug you know you. what I mean. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, the love and <laughs> probably pick my ass up. But, um, but uh, yeah, you know, just, I don't know, man. It's good. I've met so many wonderful people and, uh, you know, holding events. That's another thing I can uh, drop real quick is. Uh, we also do events, man. We do a 22K every year. Uh, this year is going to be our fifth annual. Five years, bro, I've been doing this. That's crazy. Five years. Uh, you know, bro, I'm doing events. <laughs> I'm hosting events. I've never even thought I could do that. And this is my fifth time doing it in October. Then we got another event this year in May, May 6th, which is our convoy for 22, which is our first one this year. I just came up with an idea. I was like, you know what? I came up with an idea. Let's do it. Let's do it. To work um, with a local, uh, like a uh, cop, like the cops. And yeah. That, like that, to, yeah. To get get people to come in and, and, and all of us convoy together. And, and, you know, the whole purpose is, is to raise awareness, to get people to ask questions. What are y'all doing? What, what are all these cars out here doing? Well, let yeah. me tell you what we're doing. Did you right. hear about the epidemic with veteran suicide? You know, let them know. And, uh, I don't know, bro, with the, with the speaking events, me going back and forth to Texas, I'm going to Texas. Um, in September for another event. Uh, and I, I just found out another events in July somewhere. So I don't know. There's events everywhere. We just got to get connected with those events and, and, and people eventually start inviting you and you go. And I don't know, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And I, and I feel lucky and I feel, but, but you know what? It took hard work to get here. Uh, nothing was ever handed to me. And that's the way I like it. I don't like for somebody to say, oh, I gave you this. No, dude, I, I worked for this. And, and you know what? I don't even use my family for it. I don't even say, well, you know, my family plays a part, right? I mean, obviously, when you've got a wife and children, you love your kids, you're going to do anything for them. You know, they can be inspired. It's like, I'm doing this for me, but ultimately, I'm doing it for me because I want to be better for my family, right? So it's not saying you're not willing to do stuff for your family, but you have to do it for you. Cause if you don't want something, you're not going to, it's not going to stick. The first time I got clean, bro, I did it for my wife because she told me to do it because she said, go get clean or I'm leaving. Right? Like this ultimatum type thing. Okay, fine. I'll go get clean. That didn't last but a month because I wanted to continue to get high. I wanted that. I didn't, I wasn't ready to stop yet. I had to do it on my own terms. And so I don't know, people are like, I think we're men, bro. And that's like a lot of us for men. Like we do what we want. We're not going to be told what to do. And I think that was part of it. You know, it's like, I want to do this. I'm going to do it. I don't see nothing wrong with it. And <laughs> you know, this whole attitude. And even though if you look clear as day, you're like, okay, let's see. You've OD this many times. You spent this much money. You've almost been homeless. You've lost your car. You've done, you know, and it's like, still what's wrong with it. I don't know. But <laughs> I think we just have to want it brother. And, Hey, you wanted a podcast. Yeah. What'd you do? You opened it up and you did it. Yep. And then, and you but if your wife was like, Hey, Brian, you're going to open a podcast up today. Uh, no, nah, I'm gonna do it tomorrow. <laughs> right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't tell me what I'm going to do. You know, it's just, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe it's me. <laughs> I don't I'm 100% yeah. just like you. Um, yeah. because you have to be something in your own head or it's mm -hmm. not gonna it's not gonna be as fruitful it's not gonna be as, right. as, as you know 
Um, whenever if you don't want to do it, dude, it's not going to be worth the shit. If you were forced yeah. to do this podcast, I would notice. I'd be like, yeah. damn, this guy's being held at gunpoint right now. <laughs> yeah, doing something, man. It's it's All right. It's 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 never you never get anything out of it. I mean, that's kind of unfortunately. I was forced like when I was a kid to go uh, to church, and you know, and mm-hmm. it kind of adversely affected me as an adult now. Right, uh, trying to to church and stuff like that because of how how much I was forced and all the things that were shoved in my head, like you're going to hell. Oh, it could affect you big time. Somebody could be like, Hey Brian, we're going to church today. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, right. and it, or if you have that awkward conversation where they start telling you that you need to go to church and yeah. then you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to play this game with you. Like I've already been told my whole life, you know, it, it just comes, it just, there's a lot to that. Yep. And I've learned, I think lot. that, you know, like I said, you- I've learned as a parent now, you know, even to to be to be give, very careful. Give your kids choices, man. Give your children choices. There's nothing wrong with that. They're definitely not gonna, you know, yeah. like, hey, I love football, but yeah. am I gonna make my kids go play football? No, they gotta want that because they gotta want it. With coming with football, you can get injured. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things into it so can't stand parents watching their kids like my son plays soccer and soccer dads are the worst bro like football dads are crazy bro i'm not gonna lie but soccer parents are crazy and uh i've seen dads out there you know in their kids face you're gonna play you're gonna play right now and it's like i don't want to and it's like now i'm like i want to intervene like get out of his face he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so uh, I'm coaching right now. That's why I'm wearing this little pirates at. I actually have yeah. a game on today. I coach cool. my little, uh, they're, they're like uh, five and six year old kids. Um, but there's a one in particular kid on my team. He's actually a really good ball player. Um, just a, probably a good athlete in general, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't like baseball. He doesn't really want to be out there. So he just, you know, you could tell in his little demeanor that he's good, but he's not playing to his potential because he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to so, be there. <laughs> and it, that's that's kind of rough, man, and, and watching hard, the little man. kid go through it, and you're kind of, you know, you just kind of want to help him it's through like, it. God, you know how good you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, exactly. what is wrong with you? But you know what, bro? I got to bench him. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Bench him. Yeah. And then when he starts seeing that he's not playing, then maybe, you know, but look, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, if you want to play, we want you to play, but I'm going to bench you because you're not putting in a hundred. We oh, need yeah. guys out here that's going to put in a hundred. Yeah, and- I think the parents, uh, they've taken a, a little while to warm up to me because of my style. Yeah. Uh, I am a no, no shit kind of guy. I don't care what mm-hmm. age out there. It's like, they're calling me coach. We're not playing in the dirt, guys. We're, you know, yeah. we're playing baseball and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, strict on these kids, but, uh, you know, that's just, you gotta be that way with these kids because like, I mean, when they start getting and playing these sports, it's not everybody gets to play, you know, mm. all these types some, of some of his parents, bro. I know you go through it, Oh my Oof, god, bro. I that, couldn't imagine how much flack you get, bro. I've coached high school. Football. My kids only played one quarter. My kids, you know, oh. and I get it, bro. Like, how do, how do you handle that? Like if I, oh. gotta, okay. So if I'm, if I, if my son, right. If I know is good, I know my kid can play, right. but for some reason you're benching him like, or you're just putting him on second string or whatever. 
and I'm the dad. And I'm like, okay, listen, sir, I don't want to be disrespectful to you because I know you're the coach, blah, blah, blah. My son is Dominic over here. Why is he not playing? Why do you have my son sitting on the bench? He can win games for you, man. What are you doing? <laughs> How do you deal with that? It's rough, dude, because, I mean, I've uh, fallen victim to uh, listening to the parents yeah. chirping. Mm-hmm. And so I play into their chirping, and and, the, and, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it disrupts my game plan. Yeah. And so, like, uh, for instance, I'll give you a good one. <laughs> this I had a quarterback. Um, and I ran a double wing T offense. And so, uh, that kind of offense required a, a, a decent, a pretty good size quarterback who can actually pitch and then go lead a block. Right. You know, not too many often you, you find a quarterback that's going to go, you know, sell out his body and have to <laughs> pitch the ball. But, you know, so we got a decent sized kid. Um, he never played quarterback before. Right. So, um, he had a decent arm, but it was, uh, very, inaccurate you know uh when he would throw it i i know his abilities i i i'm, I'm working with this kid day in day out monday through friday you know and and so when it gets to game time you know we're, we're primarily you know running running the ball because he can't throw so his dad's over there just chirping in the freaking stand throw the ball, throw the ball you know trying to just throw the ball to mike all right i'm gonna go ahead and throw the ball First throw, interception. Oh, my God. Interception. And I look in the stands, man, and I'm just like, I'm shaking my head. (laughs) And so uh, the next pass play I go with, he throws another interception, bro. Wow. (laughs) And then the dad's sitting there yelling at me, bro. And 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 for the first time, I lose my bearing. I turn around, and I'm just like, I get me and him have words. And I'm like, bro, you can beat me out in the parking lot. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, I go to the parking lot with you at this level. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I've appeased you everything, and you're sitting. There oh, and he's probably at this point disrespecting the crowd's pissed off now, so they're probably yeah. jumping on his shit too because they're seeing him disrespecting you. Yeah, it's been a horrible situation. So, yeah. um, but it, it it obviously didn't turn into a fight or nothing. But mm-hmm. and obviously, it made for an awkward situation. Here, I have this kid. Yeah. You know, and um, it just, man, coaching is tricky, especially this day and age. And yeah. so, when you do deal with uh, parents, you know, I'm I'm the kind of person like, okay, well, I'll throw them in. I mean, and we'll, we'll just let the proof be in the pudding. I yeah. mean, he goes out yeah. there, and he misses his first tackle. Like, hey, I, bro, that's exactly why he's not out here. You guys aren't. A lot of parents don't show up to practice. You know? Oh they, yeah, yeah. Watch, not watching me perform Monday through Friday. And if that mm-hmm. comes to, to, to practice Tuesday, because you know he had a bad day with his girlfriend, <clears> and, and he comes to practice all crappy, you know, and, and the parents don't know, you know, what kind of effort he's given all week, but you know, and then you go in a game with a game plan, and, and working around the situation, and because there's kids out there that have come out there every day, bro, and they're they're selling themselves out there every day. <laughs> I I like those kids, you know. I don't care if you're a star or not, man. I don't need you to be a, a great big star, but. You just got to put in a hundred. Work hard and and try your best. I love those kids. I love those no. kids. Come out and 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 aren't just out there for a jersey to look cool walking around school or whatever. <laughs> but uh, so do you do any kind of extra activities outside of uh, you know? I know you got kids and stuff like that. Um, they, uh, what's your age range and your kids? Uh, 
not I mean, since my son's been injured, by the way, he has same injury as I had, man. ACL meniscus his junior year, which sucks. But um, you know, God's got a plan, man. Fingers crossed that, you know, he get back in club in November and then he'll do uh senior varsity and then hopefully uh, he'll make it to college. Like we're, we're our goal is college ball. Um I don't know. We're praying, you know, if we have to do a walk on, whatever, we'll try to do something. He wants to play for USC Gamecocks here in South Carolina. So we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Um, my like daughter's, a, huh? College? You get, do you have like a local junior college or something? We do. Well, we have a, a, another university called Francis Marion. You know, it's not a big, it's like maybe like a D3 school or something, but, um, or D2, yeah, D3, probably a D, probably a D2. Um, so yeah, you know he could do that because he's 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 taking uh, sports medicine and stuff like that. He's wanting to you know work with you know sports players and stuff. So, um, but yeah, most of my time was picking up for that man. If either I was doing what I'm doing, you know, with the podcasting and everything offline, or you know, like my daughter's doing volleyball or cheerleading or um, soccer. Any sports parents know, man, just just the amount of traveling and the amount of. No doubt. My dude. God, bro. It's constant. Kids, we got two games a week, man. And then it's we also don't practice. But, but since my son's been hurt, I haven't really done a whole lot um, as far as that goes. You know, I used to be a lot more active. I used to love playing basketball, man. That was my, you know, I, I, I could have went pro baseball, but basketball was my sport. You know, I love to play basketball. We played backyard football, but I played ninth grade. I played, uh, I played a uh, uh, junior varsity, uh, freshman football wasn't really i hated practice bro <laughs> it wasn't my thing dude i hated the two a days i hated all that crap i like i just i love playing football but i didn't like the i didn't like the politics of football i didn't like the actual getting suited up and all the practice like you could have love for that stuff man i didn't have love for it basketball i loved it there was nothing to it bro put some shorts and shoes on and ready to go and i used to ball and man a big difference between uh being outside in the humid hot ass <laughs> and uh, being inside a gym with ac <laughs> yes bro like i'm telling you like it's just i don't know i didn't i didn't love the whole football aspect like the way it all was i didn't have the passion for it i loved watching it but i hated you know didn't really love the school football type stuff man i love just hitting sons of bitches for no reason you know (laughs) but you know i try to stay active man and with the sports and stuff but other than that bro this is kind of what you see is what i do i spend a lot of my times writing and uh trying to get some stuff done because if i don't do these things man i will I will get into this procrastination type mindset and then it takes me forever and then I'll get a deadline and then I'm rushing to finish it. So, yeah. Well, man, Hey, I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on and taking the time to share your story and your experiences with us, dude. Um, you are one hell of an inspiration and a great advocate for the veteran community. Um, if you guys haven't had the chance to go check him out, go check him out on TikTok. Uh, right there at the bottom, you can see he's the real veteran guy. Um, and he, he does lives quite often. It, it's kind mm-hmm. of fun to come in there. Uh, sometimes it's just him. Sometimes it's a whole bunch of people. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's a great community to be a part of. Yeah. Um, they're all very uh, encouraging. And, uh, you know, so it, it is, you know, so if you ever want to go check it out whenever you're on TikTok, Go check them out. It's a like I said, a great community to be a part of. Also, um, 
check out his his book. It is uh, definitely something you guys can check out. It, you know, not even I probably even from a veteran standpoint. Just you know, mm-hmm. any you know, if you're if you want to work on your mindset, you know, right. just Absolutely. yeah, so, veteran mindset 2.0. Warriors think differently. Yep. Get your copies today on Amazon. Um, anything else you got to say before we go, man? Uh, just maybe check out the website www.vetlifeforlife.com. Uh, you know, I got a newsletter that comes out once a week. Uh, it's pretty cool. Kind of gives you guys, uh, you know, just kind of an update on what we're doing in the community and different stuff. So yeah, check out the website, man. Vetlifeforlife.com. A lot of different stuff. We got merch dropping here soon again. Uh, finally, uh, got some new hats coming out. So yeah, just stick with me, man. Follow me on the social medias. Check me out on YouTube, Sean Laurie, uh, Instagram veteran guy, uh, Facebook, all that good stuff. Hit me up if you need a mess. If you need to talk to me, shoot me a message. If I see it, I will respond. I will respond. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank no you for having no. me, brother. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate <laughs> you, and uh, we'll we'll stay in touch, man. And uh, maybe I can have you on again. I definitely want to have some kind of like a Veterans Day type of show. Okay. Uh, you know, big panel of uh, veterans out there. Uh, I'm down. Fun. I try to try to get something in work, but. Hey, brother, once again, I appreciate you, and I'll be uh, catching you on one of your lives. You know, I'll be in there. Sounds Sam good, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, All right man. We'll Thanks you. for having me. All right. All right, friends and fam. What a great interview that was. I really uh, enjoyed that one. Sean has a great story. He's a great inspiration. He is come a long ways with his recovery um you know so if you can't go on and support him uh i love the guy he's a great guy and uh, appreciated him taking the time to be on but uh, once again i want to appreciate each and every one of you guys for tuning in and watching every day is a saturday with your host me myself and i brian roof until next time Urgh. <laughs>